the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. get up to about 86 degrees today so it'll be a really pretty wednesday middle of the weekday over the hump day we're closer to friday than we were on monday that's a good thing and next week only a four-day work week because we're off on friday well we are, we're off on friday here at the station as we prepare to celebrate our nation's birthday on uh, i think that's what sunday isn't it the fourth of july yeah so uh, you know, be getting that underway. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna start off playing some from Hugh Hewitt, and this must have aired earlier this morning on the Hugh Hewitt show. I'm gonna replay it. I didn't hear it. Uh, I listened to most of it. Tom Cotton, our uh, junior senator from Arkansas, was talking to Hugh and had some interesting things to say about these people that are attacking statues and things of that nature all across this nation. And what started off as going after Confederate statues has now moved out of that uh, to some of the great heroes uh, as far as uh, freedom goes. And I'm going to talk about one of those in just a moment. It has to be It's the Emancipation Statue in Lincoln Park in Washington, D.C., the great statue of Abraham Lincoln, where he assigned the Emancipation Proclamation, and a slave uh, is thanking him. And what's so interesting about this, this is it goes down that these people just want to destroy everything that America stands for. I mean, uh, as they were called, Negroes of the day loved Abraham Lincoln. They loved that president. And now you've got people like Black Lives Matter and other groups that are attacking him as though he's some vestige of white supremacy. It's really amazing uh, some of the things that are being said. I mean, they've already pulled down a statue of Grant who – Right after Lincoln, because he was president right after Andrew Johnson, a little history for you, okay, this morning as you're driving in early to work or you're sitting and having your coffee or whatever, a little interesting history here. Grant was uh, elected president for two terms after Andrew Johnson, who botched, and I do mean botched, Reconstruction. And uh, Grant came in there, got things uh, uh, fairly straightened out, and made some huge moves like the you know 15th amendment things of that nature 
and did great things. And as we said earlier this week, we were talking about Frederick Douglass said that uh, Grant did more at that time for the Negro than any man ever, ever, including Lincoln in the United States. And they pulled down his statue. They pulled down his statue and people said, well, you know, they probably just didn't know. That's the problem. They don't know. Let's hear what the, the, the junior senator had to say on Hugh Hewitt this morning. United States Senator Tom Cotton. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, last night, there was an attempt to destroy the statue of Andrew Jackson in Lafayette Park. It was not successful. You are of the opinion, I believe, that those, prosecu- that those demonstrators turned rioters should be prosecuted. Am I correct? Lock them up, Hugh. Um, first off, yeah, they're not protesters, they're not demonstrators, and they're trying to tear down a 168-year-old statue. You can call them vandals, you can call them criminals, uh, you can call them vigilantes, uh, but soon enough they should be called inmates. Hugh, there's a law uh, from 2003 called the Veterans Memorial Preservation Act. Uh, you couldn't find a much more clear-cut case of a violation of that law than what happened last night, tearing down a statue of a former general of our Army in uniform on horseback on federal property. The violation of that carries up to 10 years in prison. And these are not exactly criminal masterminds, you, of course. You're breaking up on me, Senator. You just said they're not criminal masterminds because they are allowing themselves to be videotaped. Yeah, they're, they're well, they're videotaping themselves, Hugh, and posting it on social media. <laughs> so I would I would urge uh, Attorney General Barr to direct the FBI um, and the criminal division to investigate this immediately, arrest as quickly as possible, and bring charges as quickly as possible. Would that apply to the um, toppling of Ulysses S. Grant in San Francisco as well? Who, by the way, the irony of that is should not be lost on anyone. Grant was eulogized by Frederick Douglass for all that he did to end slavery and restore justice for or bring justice for blacks in the South during uh, Reconstruction. Yeah, Hugh, this this would be General Grant, whose very initials in the North stood for his tenacious and unrelenting approach to the war, unconditional surrender. Um, And it would also be President Grant, the political heir to the great emancipator, Abraham Lincoln, uh, who as president presided over passage of the 15th Amendment, guaranteeing all citizens uh, the right to vote. The first major civil rights law, which he used to smash the first iteration of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, and who also put down numerous race riots in the South during Reconstruction. When you're tearing down statues of U.S. Grant, it's not because of the Civil War. It's because you hate America. Now, in in San Francisco, I don't know if the statue that was torn down was on federal property or or if it was federal property. Um, Another law that might apply uh, is the Anti-Riot Act. There's other potential federal laws as well. Unfortunately, Local authorities should be prosecuting these cases. Uh, They should be stopping the violence in the first place. But many of them seem simply unwilling to stand up to the mob. All right. Now, I want to switch quickly to Twitter. You were threatened by a, quote, low-level staffer at Twitter last week with the suspension of your account. Um, Have you heard from Jack Dorsey or anyone in senior management that such attempted censorship will not occur again? And it's not uh, unconstitutional censorship. They're a private uh, company, but it is clearly censorship of viewpoints they do not agree with. Yes, Hugh, I must admit, miss Jack Dorsey's DM to my Twitter account. Um, of course, you could put him in a boat with the snowflakes of the New York Times because it's been reported that he unfollowed the New York Times opinion Twitter account after they published 
my op-ed a few weeks ago that uh, turned them into a laughing stock. Um, but it is true that in the midst of that controversy, a low-level employee contacted my office at random and said, if the senator doesn't delete his tweets, we will permanently lock his account. Uh, it was clear, though, she was acting at the behest of more senior officials who she tried to screen and that she wouldn't put anything in writing. Now, we stood up to her. We drew a line. We sent her the reasons why this was uh, a gross violation of their own terms and their own policies. We continue to get shifting explanations, but the 30-minute deadline came and went, and after a couple hours, uh, she called us back and said, we'll take no action against your account, although she said that she also wasn't authorized to say anything more. So it's clear that she was acting at the behest of senior censors at Twitter, but it's just an example of the challenges that conservatives face on Twitter or on social media more broadly. Look, I'm a United States senator. You can't really deplatform a senator. I can always go to the Senate floor. I can go to other medium. But what if it was just a conservative journalist or a Republican Party activist? Um, how could they stand up to these social media well, giants? Uh, well, Senator, I know that you're burdened by Harvard Law Education, but at Michigan uh, Law, we would have been taught that the violation of Section 230 was obvious here and that they are now publishers and therefore not owed the immunities of Section 230 at Twitter. Anyone agree with you on your staff who might have gone to Michigan as opposed to Harvard and understand the statute? (laughs) Well, this is why I've introduced legislation along with Senators Holly Rubio and Braun to modify Section 230 to strip away some of that unprecedented legal immunity that social media companies get because they are increasingly acting as publishers, acting as censors, taking responsibility for the content that is posted and is not posted on their site. If that's the case, they're not, they don't deserve that immunity. Well, they're also then subject to the defamation laws of the United Kingdom and everywhere else. I mean, in the United States, you can't sue anyone. It's very difficult to sue anyone for defamation. But if you've become a publisher in the laws of the United States' eyes, doesn't that open you up to the U.K. standards of libel? I imagine it would, Hugh. And that under those standards, my gosh, every comment section becomes your property, correct? The UK laws are very sweeping, and that's one reason why we think these social media giants don't want to tempt fate. All right, that was uh, our junior senator Tom Cotton talking to Hugh Hewitt earlier today, and that's going to get us off, off and running today on the Dave Ellswick show. When I come back, and, and Tom said something really, really. Um, interesting when he said when you start tearing down statues of ulysses s grant the man who really in more ways than one was responsible for the union victory over robert e lee and the confederate states of america then it's not about the civil war it's not about slavery at all because you know tom repeated a lot of stuff i'd already told you about the 15th amendment giving all men the right to vote uh and that that meant black men got to vote for the first time ever uh in the united states the smashing of the ku klux klan a uh terrorist group that formed in the late 1800s and uh keeps reforming from time to time and uh, some people still hold on to it is a sizable very very small minority now and uh but of course are they ever are they going to take you think heidi are they going to take the uh, the names of robert bird in west virginia off of all the high schools and elementary schools that his name is on i mean 
we go back to what we were talking about yesterday now he's a white male he was straight so that would make him an enemy supposedly of the people except he was a democrat so that that erases everything he was also head of the ku klux klan in west virginia but nobody brings that up nobody talks about that about uh, about bird or if you bring it up they don't want to talk about it they'll run away from that conversation on the left as fast as they can but when i come back and we're going to take a break abraham lincoln historically was such a huge catalyst in helping to to destroy slavery in this country and i know look i understand i'm in the south and a lot of you don't like abraham lincoln and he got rid of habeas corpus and all the rest during the civil war i understand that and i and we can we can uh, argue uh, the specifics another time but looking at the man generically across the board he was the catalyst for the abolition of slavery in this country he's the man who signed the emancipation proclamation we can argue why he signed the emancipation proclamation but the bottom line is he signed it and he moved it forward and uh, now let me tell you about what protesters are trying to do in washington dc it's unbelievable Take a break. It's Dave Ellswick Show. Looking for a high today of 86. Currently, it's uh, 72 here in Little Rock. More coming your way after the traffic and weather. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just left uh, in that break, and we were making the point that these uh, people who are trying to pull down statues, you know, they're trying to say uh, we're trying to remove people who were detrimental to the to the black cause for the most part the civil rights but that's not the case anymore now the people that they're going after uh are the people who try to extend civil rights uh to all americans and we're talking about president ulysses s grant they've already toppled one of his uh statues de blasio was out blah 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 running his mouth and uh was saying that the uh, Teddy Roosevelt statue in front of uh, natural history. There was just no doubt that 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 statue uh, is uh, is racist in nature. And you might want to go. I'm, I'm not going to tell you about it right now. That be getting off and chasing a rabbit. But you might want to read what that statue stood for. You might want to go back and read what the uh, people who helped erect it had to say about what it stood for but it we're, we're living in 1984 in 2020 we're living in the book 1984 in 2020 right now and we have people that are rewriting history and telling you what uh, the history is of this country and many of you are believing it because you've never studied the history of our country you've never read the writings of people like ulysses s grant and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, you've listened to some people, you know, ballyhoo about this or about that. But how many of you have ever, you know, actually read what uh, these great people had to say? If you haven't, then I suggest you spend some time doing so. Of course, that's not as much fun as 
you know, maybe doing a bowl and going out with your friends and uh, jumping around the statue saying we need to pull it down. So they're trying, the protesters are vowing to tear down the emancipation statue that's in Lincoln Park in Washington, D.C. They were talking about it yesterday. They say they'll be back uh, tomorrow night to take care of it. Now, will people who are in charge in D.C. sit a perimeter up and stop them or are they just going to stand back like they have in Seattle and some other places and allow uh, these hoodlums? And that's a, that's a nice word I'm going to use right now. They're hoodlums. They're, they're you know, they're, they're criminals that are trying to destroy uh, not only some great statues, but also some great history for our country. This bronze memorial statue was erected in 1876. You got there, 1876. It was to honor Abraham Lincoln for the Emancipation Proclamation, and protesters say they're going to come in Thursday and tear it down. And crowds gathered in Lincoln Park at the base of the Emancipation Statue Tuesday night for a protest organized by, quote, the Freedom Neighborhood, unquote, calling for the removal of the statue. The protest comes on the heels of an incident in Lafayette Park that happened Monday night over an Andrew Jackson statue. Organizers said they want the Emancipation Statue gone and openly said they will not be working with police. Now, it's important that you hear that again. They said... They will not be working with police. And why? Quote, to achieve true justice, we are not working with the police, nor will we seek any relationship with them, the group wrote in an Instagram post advertising the protest. Quote, in order to create change, we will do so by any means necessary. If you want a revolution... It's not going to happen by being peaceful. All right, so we're we're not talking about peaceful protesters here now. We're talking about people that will use and do anything to get to the ends that they want to reach. And if that means uh, acting out, if that means being violent, so be it. They will. However, organizers announced they would not be attempting to remove the statue Tuesday night, but would come back Thursday at 7 p.m., that's 6 o'clock our time, to bring it down. Police could be seen standing around the park perimeters uh, in uh, riot gear, but the protests remained peaceful at this time. Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton also wants the Emancipation Memorial removed, She says she's going to look to introduce legislation in the House of Representatives if the National Park Service cannot remove it. Quote, because Lincoln Park is National Park Service land, I will work with the MPS, National Park Service, to see whether the MPS has the authority to remove the statue without an act of Congress, and if so, we will seek its removal without a bill. This statue has been controversial for the start. It is time it was placed in a museum. The bronze memorial statue 
was erected in 1876 to honor President Lincoln for the Emancipation Proclamation and was put up 11 years to the day that he was assassinated at Ford's Theater by John Wilkes Booth. But criticism surrounds the memorial because of what it depicts and that formerly enslaved Americans did not have anything to say in how it was was built. Let me just ask, who paid to have it built? A little more history for you. Who paid to have the emancipation statue built? Now, they say that the, these, they didn't have any, any input. I beg to differ. This rewriting history now. Because it was former slaves who raised the necessary funds to build that statue. Period. They're the ones who paid for it. Nobody says anything about that. Uh, It says that uh, this Eleanor Norton, congresswoman, says the designers... All right, so let me pick up uh, where... I was so rudely interrupted by the news. All right. And I was talking about this emancipation statue. Uh, and it's of uh, President Lincoln and a, a black slave. And he's holding up the emancipation for the, fl- the freedom of this slave. And people now want to rewrite history and say, you know, it, it's not a great statue because, of course, it doesn't in any way account for blacks who fought for their own uh, freedom. Well, it's not about the blacks who fought for their own freedom. Uh, There's places you can go and you can see statues that have been erected uh, about things like the Underground Railroad and things of that nature that uh, historically sets up that uh, people... Uh, did things uh, to help people find that freedom. Uh, You know, Harriet Beecher Stowe and others. Uh, But um, it it, it just amazes me how you go back now and you want to refight somehow that the way the statue was built is not the way that you really like it to be built. And now you just want to go out and topple it, even though... The people who paid for this statue were former slaves. And in fact, to go along with uh, the whole deal dealing with it, it, it was a mighty effort for several different directions that uh, this uh, occurred. The freedom, the fight for freedom continued on. Uh, they did a statue celebrating African-American educator Mary McLeod Bethune uh, was erected in the eastern half of Lincoln Park. And when that happened, they took the Emancipation Memorial and they rotated it 180 degrees. Not so that Lincoln's back was towards Mary Bethune, but that his, he was facing her which says that the two of them both were equally fighting for the freedom for, uh, you know, black Americans. It's 
but these people who want to topple that statue, see, all this doesn't make any difference to them because this is just a way for some people to keep other people just riled up and riled up by changing history. But if I told you, I, I keep saying we're living in 1984 in 2020, and we really, really are. Again, I'm going to continue to harp on this, and as long as it takes, but you need to read that book. You need to read it, and you need to contemplate it, and you need to, um, you know, consider it. And what is happening now is very clear in that book. There are people now that moved to our country from communist nations and heavily socialistic nations, and they came to America because they were looking for freedom. And they're saying that many of the things that they're seeing happening in our country now are things that they saw happen in their countries when the change came and uh, changed their countries, not for the good, but for the worse, uh, when the socialists and the communists took over. Just telling you, it's going on in front of your eyes. Many of you don't pay any attention. Now, many of you are worried about COVID-19, rightly so, and nothing, but nothing else. You can't, I don't want you just to be a one-topic person. I want you to see the overriding picture of what is happening in uh, in our nation, and it is not, it is not good. Because you're having people that are forming groups that many of us don't know who's behind them or what they really stand for, and we just throw ourselves behind these groups and offer our assistance without knowing what they stand for. When you do that, you become what the communists used to say. Stalin used to say this all the time. You become a useful idiot. You're out fighting for people who literally are trying to uh, take away your freedoms. And you've got to make sure that the people that you're fighting for are uh, people that you so should support. Now, I fell. I can tell you, I fell into this category at one time. Take you back to when I was in college. I was some. I was a member of SDS. You remember them, Students for a Democratic Society. Now, I was. I was always on the peripheral. I wasn't like in in the, the, the part of the group that was making decisions or anything like that, but I would show up at rallies and things of that nature. I was showing up because I believed in the First Amendment. But then I started digging into the SDS, who started it, why they started it, what they really stood for, and who was uh, funneling money into them, 
and found out they were a communist front organization. Well, to be honest, the commies, by no stretch of the imagination, are First Amendment adherents or love the First Amendment. So they were using me at that time, and I was a useful idiot because I didn't understand what they stood for. And so I just jumped on in, both feet into the water, but then educated myself and found out I needed to get out of the water as fast as possible and fight against the people who were in back of these organizations. And that is important, I believe, for everybody uh, to do. When we come back from our break, and we're going to go to one here in just a moment for traffic and weather, don't forget that after 7 o'clock, right after the news, Congressman French Hill will be with us, and we'll talk with him uh, about a lot of different things. We'll talk to him about this stuff of pulling down statues, and there's some people who need to go to jail to do this. I mean, they got people, they got, just as Tom Cotton said in the piece that we played a little earlier, they've got video of these people you know, doing selfies and all kinds of stuff. Look at me, I'm, I'm helping pulling down a statue. And uh, it's a public statue. It was built with, with uh, you know, the funds, public funds, uh, taxpayers fund, and it, it, it's protected property. And they should be doing some, uh, you know, they should be cooling their heels and paying some, paying some fines for this. And maybe if some of that would happen, and by the way, they find out that the groups that they're doing this with suddenly uh, don't come to their aid when they stand in front of the judge. Uh, they will uh, change their thought pattern. More for you here on, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And I'm going to take a look at Black Lives Matter. What do they really stand for? Well, on their website, they list all the things they stand for. And I've always believed that if you write something, say something about yourself, you should believe what that person's saying. They're telling you. So you should believe in what they're saying. I'll tell you what Black Lives Matter says when we come back. Let's get to uh, the uh, the traffic and the weather here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 72 degrees, looking for a high of 86. 1011 FM, the answer. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Black Lives Matter. I'm just going to re- I'm not going to read all of this off their Facebook page. I, I just what we believe is uh, a page of theirs. And uh, we've heard this for years. When somebody tells you what they believe, believe them because that's what they believe for the most part. So they align themselves with it. So 10 minutes uh, till seven o'clock it says that black lives and I'm reading directly from the website. Black Lives Matter began as a call to action in response to state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Our intention from the very beginning was to connect black people from all over the world who have a shared desire for justice to act together in their communities. The impotence for that commitment was, and still is, the rampant and deliberate uh, deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. We were enraged by the death of Trayvon Martin and the subsequent acquittal of his killer, George Zimmerman, 
and inspired by the 31-day takeover of the Florida State Capitol by Power U and the Dream Defenders. We took to the streets. A year later, we sat out and sat together on the Black Lives Matter Freedom Ride to Ferguson in search of justice for Mike Brown and all of those who have been torn apart by state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Now, state-sanctioned violence for them is uh, the police or whatever. And let's remember that this Freedom neighborhood that wants to tear down the uh, emancipation uh, uh, statue, they're quoted. If you want a revolution, it won't happen by being peaceful. Okay, they want a revolution. Uh, Does it go further than uh, statues? I've not uh, looked for the Freedom Neighborhood. They're putting things out on Instagram in D.C., but I'm not seeing anything there uh, dealing uh, with any other things they believe. I'll keep on looking to see if I can find some more. Uh, Ferguson helped to catalyze uh, and, and get things together for a movement to which we've all helped give life. And then he goes in that they're now a global network, uh, that they're in the United States and Canada. Uh, Every day we recommit to healing ourselves. By the way, they are a Marxist group. They say that on another uh, page. Marxism is communism. Understand that. That's pretty straightforward as as well. Uh, Karl Marx it's the man behind the whole thought of, of course, uh, communism as we know it today. Uh, every day we recommit to healing ourselves and each other and to co-creating alongside comrades. That's, uh, you know, that's a communist term. We're all comrades. Comrades are all equal. Uh, allies and family, a culture where each person feels seen, heard, and supported, where each person feels. want to remind you, there's, there's important words and things that they say. They feel it. It may not really be happening, but they sure do feel it, okay? It's just something in their heart. They feel it. Uh, we acknowledge respect and celebrate differences and commonalities no they don't they do not celebrate differences they don't at all they said but dave they stand for trans people they stand you know as they say for queer people Uh, yeah if you're part of that community they stand for you if you're straight if you're quote as they say cisgender don't expect them to stand for you it's not what they do Uh, we uh, work vigorously for freedom and justice for Black people, and by extension, all people, but black people first. Always keep that in mind as well. Uh, We intentionally build and nurture a beloved community that is bonded together through a beautiful struggle that is restorative and not completing. Okay, whatever that means. Uh, here's some of the other things that they now that they believe in. We're guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, 
ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status, or location. Uh, They stand for the illegal immigrant as well as they stand for the citizen. Uh, They go on and on about this. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We are self-reflexive. We do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. See, now if you're straight, that's a privilege. Uh, And uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. We build a space to affirm black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. Now, here's the stuff that's really, I think, dangerous. Because we've already had, we're already reaping uh, what we've sowed as far as destroying the nuclear family uh, in in this country. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structures. What did we talk about yesterday? We talked about destroying Western civilization and what it's built on. Western civilization is built on the nuclear family, father, mother, children. They want to destroy this. They want to support each other as extended families and villages. Where have we heard and how long have we heard that? It takes a village. Uh, that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Uh, We want to dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so, so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. We foster a queer Their words, not mine. We foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless she or he or they disclose otherwise. We cultivate an intergenerational and communal network free from ageism. We embody and practice justice, liberation, and peace in our engagements with one another. One another, not with the people that are outside their group because Black Lives Matter believes just the way the Freedom Neighborhood believes that if you want a revolution, it's not going to happen by being peaceful. Black Lives Matter works very closely with Antifa. I don't need to go any further than to tell you all these groups are showing that they have one thing in common. All right, so when we come back, when we come back, we'll uh, be talking to Congressman French Hill. We'll discuss the issues of the day, so stay tuned for that. But right now, it's time for your news.
We continue on the Dave Ellswick Show here on a Wednesday, middle of the weekday, hump day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than it was on Monday. And uh, joining us, as he always does on Wednesday, from the 2nd District, Congressman French Hill. And uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us again today. we got a lot to talk about. Let's start off with, uh, we played a, a, a segment last hour with uh, junior Senator Tom Cotton talking about uh, these uh, hoodlums that are destroying statues, pulling statues down. And uh, they talked about how, you know, they were against uh, the provocateurs of slavery. <laughs> but that's that's uh, changed now uh, that they've they've torn down a, a statue of Ulysses S. Grant and the newest uh, a target is the emancipation statue there in Lincoln Park of Abraham Lincoln, uh, who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. These two men, Lincoln and Grant, did more for Afri- African-Americans in the late 18th century than anybody else. And it just amazes me, uh, this attack that's going on, so we can say that it's more than about slavery, correct? Well, these I don't think these people know what they're doing. I think it's the mob, and we're letting state and local governments uh, just let the mob do whatever they want, and I'm just uh, really uh, sad about it, frustrated that local law enforcement officials don't know how to uh, preserve the peace while they let people have a First Amendment right to protest. But that doesn't include tearing down uh, statues. And as Senator Cotton has said, tearing down statues on federal property is a a crime subject to 10 years in prison. And I think they've just uh, run amok. And again, leadership is about staking out, saying that this is not the country. Uh, This is not what we do. We honor our heritage. We learn from it. We believe there's a process. We want inclusion uh, of our communities and talking about uh, our public displays. And that doesn't include tearing them down and people don't even know what they're doing. I mean, and I I think Speaker Pelosi has been a terrible voice in this personally. Uh, If anything, she's incited it by the behavior that she's undertaken. So um, we need leadership here to calm people down and encourage local officials to have a process and including dialogue about uh, these these uh, uh, signs. And as you say, tearing down Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator, or General Grant, who uh, won the Civil War and attempted to win Reconstruction that had been mangled by President impeach President Andrew Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who really deserves extraordinary accolades for bringing this country back together. It's embarrassing is what it is. It's embarrassing. Yeah, they they definitely don't know their history. There's no doubt about that. The Freedom Neighborhood, the group that has been uh, promoting this tearing down of the Emancipation uh, statue, I'm going to quote from what they said on their Instagram. Quote, if you want a revolution, it won't happen by being peaceful, unquote. Well, I think uh, these people are anarchists. Many of them look at Seattle, look at the behavior of uh, people I've seen quoted on the television news. That's anarchy. That's not government. That's not reform. That's not police reform. People want to defund the police and tear down monuments and burn buildings down, burn down businesses of black people and white people. Those are not people who are doing anything except 
revolutionary practices. And the government is to protect the citizens from people who act like that. So that's why I think we've got this thing all upside down. One last question on this. And uh, people, when I bring this up, say that I'm I'm overreacting. But it sure seems to me, if you look at this, uh, what's going on, and go back to the early 19th century, or, or 20th century, in fact, uh, this is how the Bolsheviks took over uh, took over Russia. Uh, seems to me that that's what we're seeing right now because this stuff is starting to pop up all over our nation. Does that worry you? Well, you're talking about uh, a monarchy and a dictatorship that ran Russia in those years, and the people across all Russia were starving to death, and uh, it was a uh, really a terrible situation. What's going on here, in my view, in this free country of free speech and free assembly and uh, the government of the people and by the people, uh, fully elected, is just a small group of people who are not supportive of the history of the country. They don't respect the country or our founding documents or our Constitution, and they're just acting irresponsibly. And this is why leaders in both political parties at all levels of government, state, local, federal, should speak out and say, we don't operate this way in this country. And Dr. King, who nobody did more for uh, ending Jim Crow and finally bringing Abraham Lincoln's promise of equality to law across all 50 states, uh, look, Martin Luther King himself abhorred uh, violence. Violence was used on Dr. King, but Dr. King didn't use it. And he said, you just end up with chaos when you accept it and encourage it. And look at, at how his words are coming true in some of our cities. I'm, I agree wholeheartedly with what you just said. Our guest is Congressman uh, French Hill. Uh, Congressman, you're going to be heading back to Washington, D.C. Uh, you may be there now. I'm not sure. But I have arrived. You have arrived. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about that. Pelosi has her crime bill for the House. Yep. The Senate has their uh, police reform bill in their side. Schumer says they're going to filibuster it because they don't want to bring it on. Is this a kind of a, a good cop, bad cop going on or just bad cop, bad cop going on with the Democrats? They're going to try to hold things up in the Senate to get let Pelosi try to get out in front in the House. Yep, you got it. It's a bad cop, bad cop. No surprise. Uh, and uh, when I, you know, sometimes when I forget, that it's a election year and a presidential election year, then I see Speaker Pelosi's mouth move and I'm reminded very quickly that, oh, it's an election year. That's right. I, I didn't want to miss out on that. Um, we have a very good, very balanced, uh, very appropriate set of police reforms that are based on, Dave, now catch this, the 2015 President Obama report on 21st century policing, right. the Heritage Foundation. How about blending an Obama task force and the Heritage Foundation for good ideas. That's what Tim Scott has done in his good bill, which has been introduced in the House by Pete Stauber. And these bills have many things in common, frankly, with the approach that Nancy Pelosi took. But she, of course, refuses to acknowledge that and calls uh, Republicans <coughs> names and uh, that we're not serious and Schumer, you know, weepy, weepy, uh, Chuck Schumer is over there, uh, literally exactly what you say, holding the Senate effort 
uh, with that so that Nancy Pelosi can get her vote this week. I wish she had just simply merged these bills or put the controversial things, and you and I talked about them a couple of them last week, about how to handle no-knock warrants and qualified immunity for the men and women, uh, the 800,000 men and women who get up every day, kiss their families goodbye, put on that uniform, and go out and protect us. Those are the two two of the big issues uh, that are different between the Republican and the Democrat approach. Not a terrible issue. It deserves to be debated. So why don't we introduce a bipartisan bill and debate how we would handle those type issues? But nope, we're not going to do it. We're just going to have a election year messaging bill by Nancy Pelosi. All right, let's take a break, Congressman. We'll come back. Let's talk about uh, you know, over in the House and in the Senate, the the whole thing about qualified immunity, which each, yeah. you know, what the two chambers are saying, as well as eliminating no knock warrants. We'll talk about that as well. Plus, another thing that people are not aware of, but uh, evidently has gained some traction in the Democratic quarters, is a vote on D.C. statehood. Let's bring up that and talk about it as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest, Congressman French Hill, it's a quarter after seven. Don't forget about our good friends at PI Roofing, and they are waiting for you. Just give them a call or go online and let them know that you want to take care of your roof. You got some leaks, perhaps. You've seen some discoloration on the ceiling. You've seen some, uh, you know, wallpaper, you know, coming loose on the walls or whatever, and you know that there's some moisture there. You want to find out where it's coming from. Well, the folks at PI Roofing can do all of that and at the same time make sure social distancing is taken care of and make sure your family stays safe and their families stay safe. All you got to do is give them a call, 707-3551, 707-3551, or visit them online at PI Roofing. That's one word, piroofing.com, and uh, they'll take good care of you. They use the best shingles. They use uh, the best people. I mean, you don't go to work for PI Roofing unless you can pass the test uh, that Joel Johnson himself will watch you do things uh, that make sure that you put the shingles on the way they would do it. You replace and uh, fix a roof the way they do it, which they feel is the professional and best way to do it. That's all happening with PI Roofing. Again, call them uh, 707-501-707-3551 or visit them online, piroofing.com. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got uh, 21 minutes after 7. It's uh, 72 degrees here in Little Rock, looking for a high today of 86 degrees under uh, partly cloudy skies. And our guest is... Congressman French Hill joining us on the Dave Ellswick Show, as he does every Wednesday, for the most part, every once in a while. He's got something really important, more important than my show, which I don't know what that is, but more important than my show. I can't imagine what I would be doing. (laughs) (laughs) To be on the show and and to to have a conversation with me and, and with you, basically, out there listening, so you know what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. All right, the two things that seem to be the main holdups between the Democrats and the Republicans on uh, this whole police reform is, one, qualified immunity, and two, eliminating no-knock warrants. The Democrats want to remove qualified immunity, 
The Republicans want to change it, but not remove it. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So qualified immunity uh, is a old common law item that's been protected by the courts for uh, you know our history of our country. Basically says that if you're a public officer doing your job to the best of your ability, you're not breaking a law and you're not acting you know against policy, then you have immunity from being sued from being a public official doing your job. That's common sense, I think, for a lot of people. So that applies to police officers, that they're using the proper procedures and they're not breaking uh, a law and they're operating in good faith, then they are protected from being sued, from trying to do the best they can, particularly in life-threatening circumstances. That's the bottom line. Uh, uh, Republicans would like to see that uh, fine-tuned, give it some direction, have some shaping of it. I think that's appropriate. I read several good pieces by Heritage on that subject and others. The Democrats want to just do away with it and remove qualified immunity for uh, police officers across the country, those 800,000 men and women working in blue uniforms to protect us. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I don't think it should be rushed in the heat of the moment. <clears throat> so Tim Scott takes the approach, let's collect some data on it, and let's come back and uh, have a, a discussion about it. No-knock warrants, those are, are technically, as you know, Dave, and we've talked about this, I know your views on it, they shouldn't be used unless it's a absolute fear through intelligence that the person inside that unit is heavily armed and it's an extremely dangerous situation like mm -hmm. in a drug raid for a cartel or some major challenge uh, and so what tim scott says there's no excuse for it being used inappropriately senator scott has proposed let's collect data from all the uh police departments in the country on the use of force and no-knock warrants gather that information and then propose a policy uh, with that uh, concrete information well with no no-knock warrants you know I understand that if somebody, if you know that somebody is, let's say, gathering up an arsenal, and I do mean yeah. an arsenal, and they have shown the propensity to use that arsenal, that you want to go in without the person knowing that you're coming. However, it can be used in instances that shouldn't be used. For instance, in Louisville, Kentucky here recently, where they go bursting into a family's home and uh, the man of the of the household opened fire because he didn't know that it was the police, and the police shoot his wife or significant other and kill her. And I mean, uh, I understand people being upset about that. Well, we had our own instance uh, of the Harding student in in Dallas, and so yeah. we all have we all know that there's something to be fixed here. And this is why I think this should be a bipartisan bill and not be politicized during the 2020 uh, campaign season and in the face of this uh, 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 tension we have in our country over police uh, abuse and a few bad cops and their bad behavior. Uh, so I wish we could come together and have a proposal that's a consensus proposal on this. We'll be working at that over the next few weeks. Uh, and I think that's an opportunity perhaps in the Senate. I don't think it's one here in the House. And the other thing, Dave, something I think we all agree on that I think Tim Scott's been a leader of, 800,000 people serving, 3,000 counties, 12,000 police departments, and we are in this trauma due to a few bad cops. And so he has a good portion of this bill that collects personnel data and ask police departments to hold that personnel data and share it when one 
police officer moves from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So that if somebody does have uh, a disciplinary matter or even an adjudicated claim for bad behavior, that that's known by the hiring police department. We do that in banking. We do it in law. We do it all over the economy. We do it in the military. So I don't know why we wouldn't want to do that uh, in the in the police force. All right. So I'm going to put my foot on the brake on this discussion because we could spend an hour talking about this. But let's move and talk that the first meeting of the Congressional Oversight Commission is happening today. Is that correct? Yes, we've met by Zoom as members, and we've produced two reports. We produced a May report and a June report. We're meeting today for the first time as a group, and we're meeting with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and Fed Chair Jay Powell to talk about what's happened over the last three months and what they see as their strategy going forward as the economy reopens. Okay, so what are you expecting to hear, and what are you seeing in these reports that they're giving to you, or can you talk about them yet? Well, they certainly took quick action in March and got the uh, markets working again. It allowed businesses to raise almost a trillion dollars in the private sector to raise cash so that they could uh, look out over the next year and have the money they needed to operate their business. I think that's very, very important. Those markets are now functioning again as the economy reopens. But I see uh, trouble uh, ahead in uh, certain areas connected to business travel, hotels, um, some small businesses that are still struggling. And so we want to ask Jay Powell and Stephen Mnuchin today how they think their Main Street lending facility will get out there and help, as well as <clears throat> in certain aspects of state and local government, like arenas, uh, meeting and convention space. Uh, those two have uh, taken a, a hit uh, due to the lack of travel. All right. We're down to just two minutes remaining, Congressman. The president has come out and said, Evidently, there is going to be a fourth bill uh, during this uh, getting back for, from the COVID-19, and he's talking about another uh, series of checks going out to taxpayers and Americans. Uh, what are you hearing about that, and when might we start hearing that get into some serious conversation? I think those conversations have been underway for the past month. I think you'll see the Congress uh, deal with that during the month of July. And the reason for that is uh, one area that we must uh, have a plan for is the end of the pandemic unemployment compensation. Uh, uh, additional compensation is July 31st. I think Congress needs to act there and decide what it wants to do about <clears throat> how to structure any kind of extension for those uh, millions and millions and millions of Americans that are still temporarily unemployed as the economy reopens. So that's the key issue. I think that's the driver. We, I also want to have some more specific guidance, Dave, on how our governors can spend the money that we've given the states to better help our mayors, our county judges. I don't think that guidance was sufficient. So I think state and local guidance and uh, the unemployment discussion will be two of the principal issues that will be in that next bill. All right. We appreciate you, Congressman. Go and have some fun doing your work there in Washington, D.C. And uh, I didn't even get to ask you about Washington, D.C. at the 50th state. We'll hold that till next Wednesday. We'll do it. It'll be a, a big issue. Everybody stops it on the street in Little Rock and asks me, hey, shouldn't D.C. be a state? Oh, my gosh. All right. We appreciate you, <laughs> we'll Congressman. You, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye now. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Time now for Rush. All right, so the uh, other big story 
that is slowly unfolding is what's going on in Seattle. Uh, The mayor there has said basically enough is enough. Uh, She held a press conference yesterday and uh, she announced that officials are going to work with community leaders and black led organizations to dismantle the protester occupied streets near Cal Anderson Park in the capital's City Hill neighborhood. Can you imagine living in that neighborhood and have people literally shut your neighborhood off and say, we're in charge now? Uh, What is this mayor going to say to her constituents uh, in that neighborhood? That I just basically let people take over your neighborhood and disrupt your life and maybe disrupt your business uh she said that community resources rather than law enforcement will help de-escalate the so-called capitol hill organized protest zone that's known as chop and encourage people to leave voluntarily as well as move individuals experiencing homelessness to services as needed Uh, Quote, it's time for people to go home, she said. It's time for us to restore Cal Anderson and Capitol Hill so it can be a vibrant part of the community. We can still accommodate people who want to protest peacefully. Come there and gather. But the impacts on the businesses and residents and community are now too much. Look, they were too much from the first day. And you allowed them to have it. In fact, she called it another summer of love, like Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. I would say that uh, we're a long way from that with the gun violence that went on there in Seattle as well. The uh, Seattle Police Department, now, they're going to use all these other people uh, to try to de-escalate this. But the Seattle Police Department will also return to the East Precinct building within the boundaries of the CHOP zone, which officers were forced to abandon earlier this month after violent clashes with protesters. Uh, Durkin, that's the mayor, uh, said the officers will do so peacefully in the near future. Look, the only reason it wasn't peaceful is these protesters didn't want it to be peaceful. That's simple. Uh, But she didn't specifically say what date uh, the police are uh, going to be returning to that area. Now, the mayor has noted that a vast majority of the demonstrations have been peaceful and powerful. The cumulative impacts of the gatherings, she said, in protests and the nightmare, uh, nighttime atmosphere and violence has led to increasingly difficult circumstances for our businesses and residents. Do you think? I mean, this, is, this didn't start just now. This has been going on since this began. When nightfall fell, you didn't want to be out and about in CHOP. Did not. Quote, the gun violence unfolding at night is not only wrong, it is also undermining and distracting from the message for change 
that we are hearing in the streets and in so many of the peaceful protests. She said, we cannot let acts of violence define this moment or movement for change, but it's going to. It's going to. That's why Dr. King didn't call for violence at any time. Never, ever called for it. Called for just the opposite. Uh, People were peaceful in their demonstrations, even though some people were beating on them. They were turning, uh, you know, fire hoses on them, sicking dogs on them. Uh, The marchers tried to stay peaceful. The mayor went on and said she has met with community leaders, local organizations, protesters, businesses, and residents in recent weeks, and there will be continued dialogue on how to reimagine policing as well as, quote, every other component of our society, unquote. This is crazy. I mean, this is Again, check her shoes. Something tells me she's not wearing high heels. She's wearing clown shoes. Check her shoes. Uh, Quote, racism is a a living, breathing organism, she said. It permeates our society in so many ways, and we can only undo racism and begin to undo the trauma and injustice by really centering the voices of the people who are affected. Okay. I hope that she doesn't win re-election. I think that she may not. Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best agreed that, quote, the entire structure and mission of the Seattle Police Department has to be reimagined and re-envisioned, unquote. It will be done with direct community guidance, Best said during Monday's press conference. Despite calls from protesters to transform the East Precinct building into a community center, officers, quote, need to get back in there, the police chief said. Police were met with a hostile crowd within the chop zone just Saturday night. I mean, this is not, you know, from the very beginning. We're talking Saturday night. And, uh, They prevented them from getting to the gunshot victims. Because we couldn't guarantee the safety for the first responders to enter, she said, neither officers nor medics were able to get there and treat the wounded. I'm going to tell you what this reminds me of. It reminds me when I was younger, when I was in my high school years, of Caprini Green in Chicago. It was a housing project in Chicago that was so violent, so overrun with uh, graph and crime and drugs and all the despicable things that you try to keep out of your communities, that if somebody had a heart attack, for instance, and needed medical attention, the ambulance would pull up to the entrance of Cabrini Green and stop. They would not go in to Cabrini Green because of snipers. And snipers would try to shoot them, try to kill them. Police, the same thing. They wouldn't go into Cabrini Green 
because they knew it would uh, end up in a wide-open firefight if they did. Luckily, none of those big high-rise buildings that used to be there, they're not there anymore. That, that rat hole has been torn down and replaced. Uh, but uh, the fire department wouldn't go in either. And thank God nobody, no arsonists, uh, started the buildings on fire. Besides shootings, the police chief said there has also been reports of rape, assault, burglary, arson, and property destruction. I've got the police reports right here. He held them up during, or she held them up during the uh, press conference. Uh, We cannot walk away from the truth of what is happening there. Wow. Makes me think about Jack Nicholson. The truth, you can't handle the truth. And it's going to come out. The truth will get out. And we'll find out how peaceful uh, these people really were. Probably be as peaceful as the Freedom Neighborhood who's calling for the the, the demolition of that Emancipation uh, uh, statue in Lincoln Park in D.C., who said, quote, if you want a revolution, it won't happen by being peaceful. A break, and then we'll come back and uh, finish it up uh, for this hour. And uh, Joe and Joe, Joe will be back today. I talked to him last night. He will join us today along with Duck, and they'll answer your your car, truck, and gas burning and diesel questions here on the Dave Ellswick Show. $287,619. What would you do with an extra $287,619 in retirement? That's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes with their IRA and 401k. And thanks to the tax planning strategy from David Lucas Financial. They're right here in in Little Rock. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. If you've saved more than $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA or a 401k? If you do, learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. That number again, 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment advisor just something to keep in mind let me just ask this this is from um, todd starn uh, from his show yesterday he asked this question the cancel culture mob that has targeted classic brands and products ranging from aunt Jemima to eskimo pies is all an effort by the media to attack President Trump just in time for the 2020 election. And Diamond and Silk was on. Of course, they're the pro-Trump duo, uh, black ladies, who you've heard here on this show, seen them on Fox News and whatnot. And the two of them told the the Todd Starnes radio show uh, that 
there's more to be done uh, and that just taking a black woman from a a syrup container or renaming an ice cream bar uh, is not shooting in the right direction. And they're either short-sighted or outright liars. As I said, removing, how is removing a black woman from a syrup bottle going to fight racism? They continued. This is so silly, but this is what happens when uh, everybody gets all on the same story. You know, some some group that may only have three people in it. And, uh, you know, for instance, I'll tell you what I mean about small groups. The group that uh, I think they're in New Hampshire that uh, is against any kind of prayer and things uh, in schools, like uh, can't be praying in the locker room with football players and all of that. There's the the main group is like three people. That's all they got. But they send out these letters threatening a lawsuit and school districts fall to their knees and roll over on their sides and, and take the fetal position and refuse to fight and stick their thumbs in their mouth, if not someplace else, and do nothing. Absolutely do nothing except capitulate. And you can't just keep capitulating because if you do, all that you're doing is allowing the other side to have their way. So, uh, you know, Diamonds and Silk wants you to know that uh, taking these pictures off and renaming Eskimo Pies is not going to do much of anything. Just like eating Ben and Jerry's uh, different ice creams that have, you know, causes as their names doesn't do anything as as well. Now, their money from their businesses can do things, and Ben and Jerry do put their money where their mouth is, and uh, they get behind some of the worst groups that uh, you can think of and uh, to help uh, them move on. All right, coming up, we're going to be talking with uh, Joe. Yes, he's going to be back. Joe will be here and duck as well and uh, looking forward to that they'll have uh, they'll answer your car questions let me give you the phone number right now 823-0965 823-0965 i don't want anybody to call me now and say i'm saying that number too fast and i don't say it enough 823-0965 they all say you got that northernism, Dave. You talk too fast. I've never thought that I talk too fast. I thought I talk at a regular meter. I try to try to do that so you can get into the discussion. But eight two three zero nine six five. If you have a question about a car, uh, your your car, your wife's car, your daughter's car, your son's car, whosever car, uh, Joe and Duck are going to take it on. And uh, whether it be a gas burner or a diesel, uh, they can take it on uh, for both of them. All right, so I was taking a look. I just got a text from the Republican National Committee. Let's see what they have to say. Uh, One year later, WinRed is putting Republicans on a path uh, to victory. Uh, According to, I'm looking at, I'm moving up here so I can read this. 
Let's see. They say it's putting uh, them on a path to victory. Uh, that's from the RNC chairwoman, Rona McDaniel. And we're still working on getting her on. It's no secret that in our data-driven digital age, running a winning political campaign today looks a lot different than it did 10, 15, or even five years ago. That's why at the Republican National Committee, we've made it our mission to build a political machine that reflects today's realities and allows us to connect with voters in new and innovative ways. By far, one of the most important initiatives we support is our online fundraising platform, WinRed, which launched exactly one year ago today. We needed a one-stop shop where Republican supporters can direct their contributions to our candidates in races across the country. None of the early successes we've seen from WinRed would have been possible without the endorsement of President Trump and his leadership in getting it done. In Renwed's uh, first year alone, we raised $450 million online with an average gift of just $40. It took Democrats 10 years to reach that same amount using Act Blue. It's a testament to a more sophisticated WinRed platform combined with strong enthusiasm from our supporters and a unified GOP. I'll get somebody on from the RLC to talk about WinRed and and uh, what they're doing to be able to raise that type of money. Think about that. In in uh, 12 months, $450 million. Just quick math. That's, uh, you know, that's... Uh, uh, just a little less than $45 million a month. That's a lot of greenbacks, folks, a lot. And I know I get I get things from them. I've, uh, you know, I donate uh, to uh, WinRed, and I also uh, donate through them to some candidates uh, that are out there uh, running for office as well. Um, you know, my, my goal and my hope is that we will see the uh, – uh, folks from uh, the Republican Party get the house back so that we can finally close Nancy Pelosi's mouth. That's my goal. Anyway, with that said, let me finish up uh, this hour. I wanted to mention this. I'm not going to take a long time talking about it. I've got about 45 seconds. The Major League Baseball players voted to go back to work. Major League Baseball offered a 60-game season. Uh, the spring training, and I say that with air quotes because it's going to start in the summer, uh, July 1st. They'll be heading back. And uh, we'll see if we can get some semblance of a little bit of baseball going here during this summer. Got to see my Cubbies play, and I know that you Cardinal fans want to see your Cardinals play. All right, so that's, uh, that's what's going on right now. Coming back, we'll have Duck and we'll have Joe on here uh, talking about, talking about, of course, the wonderful world of uh, cars. That's all coming up. 30965. Thank <laughs> you. 
Let's move into the last hour of a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And uh, we'll move away from politics for a little bit. Let's talk about something that's really important in your life. That's your car. Your car is important. Everybody needs wheels. That's right. Your car is important to you today as a horse was back in the Old West. If you didn't have a horse back in the Old West, you were in trouble. That's why they hung, you know, horse, horse thieves. thieves. Uh, we don't hang car thieves, although I think that might not be a bad idea sometimes. But, but <laughs> they've had, you know, they've had some problems here recently. Again, did you see the big the story over the weekend of this group? I think it was three guys that were out carjacking people. Yeah, they took. They took. They had one car. A lady said car came up on them real quick. And they had to pull over to get out of the way. Why the lady got out of her car, I'll never know. But she got out of her car. They pulled a weapon on her. They took her car. The car they had got out of, they had just stolen not more than a half hour before. And then I guess down in Bryan or Benton, they carjacked somebody else. They were just out doing it. Yeah, let them carjack me. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, Dave... uh, they have to do that that way because they can't steal these cars today with no, the you have uh, to have security with the and the keys. If they don't have the key, they're not getting it. They're, they're not smart enough to figure that out. And so I think what they do is they call it the bump in the run where you'll be going slowing down or something. They'll bump in the back of you or spike their brakes and let you run in the back of them and get out. And when in that, when once vehicles stop, they command you out of it and take it and run. All right. So. And just think about this. They can't keep it for long because if you call, sure, they can call the uh, you know whoever it is. Uh, I don't know. You manufacturer, can get, yeah, manufacturer, and they can turn it off. They can turn your car off. Yeah, car don't go anywhere anymore. Well, they yeah, know OnStar can. Yeah, they yeah they can follow where you're at. That's exactly right. Yeah, OnStar, they know exactly where it's at. Yeah, so you know for that reason, OnStar. Is a good thing to have. Well, most manufacturers now have their own manufacturer version of that. Day. Nissan, Toyota. Yeah. Well, do they? Ford, not just that. OnStar. Well, no, OnStar is a GM to, thing, but it all goes yeah. through about the same setup, though. Yep. Yeah. I know that I I use it. You know what I like about it? I don't even have to call them. They know. Like for instance, if I have a flat tire, mm-hmm. my car calls them sure and tells them i've had a flat tire and they'll call me and they'll say mr ellswick i see you got a flat tire i see that you're at blah 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 somebody's mm-hmm. on their way yeah they'll dispatch somebody and it doesn't cost me anything you know i'm paying twenty dollars a month but yeah i'll pay 20 bucks a month for that kind of yeah. kind of stuff and, or and if you're in an accident they'll call the ambulance either. yeah no, that's not all you're getting down that twenty dollars neither i mean because if you lock your key up in it, you can dial that 800 number and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. They'll, so-and-so. Pop, the, they'll pop the lick. And open up. Yeah, pop the well, lick, they, pop the lock. Yep. Only <laughs> drawback to that, in my opinion, is I'm a shop owner. And if they dispatch a, a roadside service for you, they pick the roadside service. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you have a crash and they dispatch a tow truck, they get to pick the tow service. Yep. If they dispatch it to a body shop, they pick the body shop. Or so the now I got a question shop. for you: If they if they have a, a a tow truck come out, do most tow trucks work in tandem with garages? 
their garages. Oh, okay. That's, That's what I'm the saying. deal. All right. They're not going to bring it to me. They're going to send it to where, and like for no, instance. No, I say yes. take it to Joe's garage. That's exactly what I say. Well, I, I understand that, but like, uh, let's just say you were had a wreck and you were injured, and they dispatched an ambulance and a tow truck, and you went to the hospital, and and the car was vehicle was picked up. They would take it to the. Uh, a repair facility of their choice because you had no say so in it. Period. And AAA, they take it wherever they want to. Okay. And but they will get you off the road. I that mean. would be vendors on their list that pay a service for that. They're paying for that because of the service and they're on a vendor list. Didn't that used to be illegal? That is. <laughs> Just but saying. when you start paying for that service and if you don't read the fine writing in it, you've agreed to that. Yes. Because you have You've to sign the form for it. to it. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't give them those options, they won't let you on. That's interesting. Yes. So I got something we need to discuss this Uh-oh. morning. Uh-oh. When Duck comes in and says, I got something we need to discuss, I got it's serious. One of my customers, Newcomb Construction Company, okay, was over here in North Little Rock somewhere yesterday. Is it, by, is it owned by a guy named Duke? No, it's uh, Chad and uh, Kirk okay. Newcomb. See, people on only the people who are gamers out there from the 80s will know what I'm talking Duke Nukem was a big, big game. But uh, so they was back in this truck, this dump truck, and it's a Peterbilt. It's like a 12 or 13. And the old boy driving the truck, he said, this big flash of light hit me. So now it don't run no more. Mm. And it's probably fried everything in it. Lightning. Yeah, lightning got it. Mm. Really? Yep. That's a bad Of course, deal. he didn't know it is it because he's got rubber tires on his The guy, car. his boss was sitting behind him, said he said, I watched it when it hit it. Oh, he hit, saw the bolt, yeah, huh? Hit the mirror on the right hand side. Wow. Mm-hmm. And but uh it most likely fried the ECM, the body control module, the ABS module. You know that you just scared people to death by telling them that their car can be hit by lightning. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they've always been hit by lightning, but they never had all this electronic stuff that we got today. Yeah, that's true. You know, the cars have been hit by lightning ever since there have been cars on the street. But uh, so I called Newcomb, his kinfolk owns Newcomb Records, so he went over and picked it up and got it to the shop yesterday. The dash is dead. Most likely all the headlights, taillights, turn signal, bulbs, and all that's blowed. Probably blowed the radio. It's got an instrument panel up there. It's about a 3 by 12 instrument panel. Yeah. has all the lights in it, like the check engine light, the low air light, the turn signal. Is it black now? Yeah, it's totally dark. <laughs> I bet the insurance company totals that truck. That. It'll probably get pretty close. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be somewhere around twenty to $30,000 to fix it. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell. It burns the seat, belt. seat belts up in it. Yeah. So yeah, seat belts seat have retractors work. in them. But they didn't, he didn't feel anything. Nope. So he never felt nothing. Say, he said, just the cab got real bright for a few seconds. Yeah. So you know, and you know, and his, you know, they said, well, we want the truck fixed. And yeah, yeah, okay, we're gonna get estimate made on it first. Well, sure. And I told him soon. He called me soon as it happened, and I said, call the insurance company, so they can mark this time when the lightning come through. So now here's the question: He had to have a tow. Did they tow him to a shop, or did they tow him out to the? Auto impound. No, no, it's sitting in my shop. Oh, okay. So they brought it to yeah, you. They brought it to me. I had to get it checked, and then uh, 
well i talked to the insurance company and and the thing about it is dave you start fixing things to start pulling stuff back up but you don't know till you get to the end of it what it's going to cost really and truly well, I can you tell don't know you, how much you're going to have to repair. Correct. I can tell you, you, you're going to have to put an ECM on it. You're going to have to put a TCM on it. You're going to have to put ABS module on it. You're going to have to put the instrument cluster, cluster in the dash. BCM. You're going to have to put the little the, the light bar in the dash. Right. And then then you start fixing everything else. You know, as you start powering this up, then you'll figure out, okay, this is blowed. Then you fix that. Then you, it's a. It's yeah, a, what's it talking to and what is it not talking to? Yeah, you know, that's it. Just like me and you and Joe talking, if you don't want to talk to me and Joe, you know, we can't talk back and forth. And, and that's We've way a truck never is. had that problem. Well, I know that. But that's the <laughs> way a truck is. But, you know, and and you know, and, and that's what I, I told the customer. I said, you know, look, it's going to get expensive. It, this ain't something you just – I've seen them, Dave, one time. It blowed the solenoids off on the injectors. Had wind up putting injectors in it. I had a truck that was traveling through Arkansas on I forty right over by my shop, and it was an older model Ford truck. This was about ten or twelve years ago. And the guy called me and he said, "My truck's been struck by lightning." So I sent a hauler out there, picked it up, and got it back to the shop. It had four flat tires on it. Blew the tires out. The the, the radio antennas where the power where the lightning came in. And it looked like a curly, cute little pig's tail. Just twisted up. It was, you know, normally about 36 inches tall. This one was about eight inches tall, just curly, cute up. Right. And we had put an ignition. This was an older truck. I had put an ignition module on it and distributor and ignition switch and a few things. Got it running. These people were traveling through. It was a husband and wife and a little bitty kid. You know, tires and did everything else well you guys ain't gonna have no radio and you ain't gonna have this and you ain't gonna have that and he said well that's good that's all the money i got and i said you're not even gonna have any headlights he said i'm only driving during the day i said all right <laughs> he said i just want to get home <laughs> yeah this but, morning i freaked out i was driving on 6 30 coming to work and it's still dark mm-hmm. you know when i'm coming to work and some guy driving his car down the road no taillights yeah and i was almost on top of him yeah, before I saw him. I saw him yeah because, you know, they turn off all the street lights. You know, they don't leave the street lights on so you can maybe pick somebody like that up. And it looked to me like his headlights were really dim. Probably had a bad alternator and the battery was going down. Battery was going down. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, bottom line, he was trying to get to where he was going. He's pedaling, I'm sure, as fast mm-hmm. as he could. But yeah. you know, not all the lights were working. Yeah. And he was staying, I'll give him credit, he's in the, in the slow lane. Yeah. You know, I went past him like he was in the slow lane, too. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Dave, you was just driving your speed limit. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. He was driving about 45, and it's 60 out there. And I'll tell you, I've never seen 60 on 630. I say it when I go by it. <laughs> Is that good enough? Yeah, I hear that Heidi has got a real heavy foot. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Get her in trouble. No, but, I'm not trying. You know, getting back to this lightning yeah. deal, we had one one time. How many times have you seen this happen? Bunches. Uh, a bunch of times. 20 or 30. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never. I Usually one I or two say, a year. I've been alive 67 years, all right? 
And cars have been around that whole 67 years. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody ever tell me that they were struck by lightning while in a car. I've seen it 20, 30 times. Wow. Usually one or two times a year, you know, this time of the year. And, uh, and, and the worst part about it was he said it wasn't even raining. The wind wasn't blowing or nothing. And he said lightning come out of the sky and got it. Well, you can get hit by lightning and be three, four miles away from a thunderstorm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's basically the way this was. He said the thunderstorm was over in Little Rock, and they was you know over in North Little Rock somewhere, you know, digging out a swimming pool, and and he said it lit that truck up. His old boy, he said it almost blinded him when it hit the truck. He said it got so bright inside the cab, but but it's going to be expensive. Somewhere's in the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range, and and they'll probably wind up on the truck because the you know, it's a dump, it's a triaxle dump truck. So I'm sure, you know, he'll buy them a different cabin chassis and swap everything off of that and over onto it. But, and then again, like I told him, I said, let me get started on it today sometimes and we'll start. We'll start testing. We'll start working the problems out and figuring out, okay, I know this is blowed. I know this is blowed. And, and I'm sure it blowed the headlights and I'm sure it blowed all the dash bulbs. Cause that's usually something that it always gets the headlights, taillights, dash bulbs. You know, it it get all that. It gets the radio, you know, but you never know until you start putting – the first thing we'll put in, we'll put a body control module in it. And that'll light – that'll turn the dash back on. That'll turn the air conditioner back on. That'll turn the headlights back on. All that stuff is controlled through the body control module. Okay. Now, bef- before you even do that, are you going to call – have this guy call his insurance and have – I've a, already talked a, to him. The appraiser's already been there? No. They told me to start making an estimate on it and then – when I get the estimate where I think that I, we need to be. Then call them back. Yeah, and then they'll send, estimate, uh, send someone out that day. Okay. The last one I'd done, they didn't even send nobody out. Well, I if took, you say $30,000, how much How much is the truck worth? Uh, Probably seventy. Okay, so it's almost 50% gone. Yeah, and usually they'll total it when it gets there. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're gonna just say, you know, but, kill it. Well, you know, it's already dead. Just tow it. You know, the, la- the last one I've done is one I found. It blowed the solenoids off the injectors. I got it all ready to start. And whether it wouldn't start, popped up. It had, it had open circuit on all six injectors. And I thought, the first thing I thought, they didn't program the ECM right. They didn't turn the injectors on. Because you have to go in and turn each mm-hmm. one of them on. Mm-hmm. So I pull it back up and look. No, they're on. I hit the buzz test on it to make them buzz. Yeah. Nothing. Pull the valve curve off and the whole side blowed out of them. All right. Let's get our first break in. Okay. It's good to see Joe again. It's been three weeks, brother. I know. It's been a while. Good to have you back. I'm glad to be here. I see that our uh, the amount of viewers that we have has exponentially jumped because you're here today. <laughs> we got more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're talking cars and trucks. Got a question? 8230965. Oh, your chance to talk to one of these guys, and they've been around for a while. They can answer your questions right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 24 minutes uh, after 8. Uh, if you had to be at work at 8 o'clock, you're late. <laughs> just, just saying, you were late. Uh, Joe is here. Good to see him again from Joe's Garage. Been out for about three weeks. And then we've got Duck here. And uh, Duck from Duck's Garage. And let me just say, you know, Joe, you said that you had had similar surgery about seven years ago. Seven years of life makes a big difference. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as young as I used to be, and uh, I think the surgery they did this time was a little bit more in-depth and uh, 
But anyway, I'm on the mend. I'm feeling better, and uh, I'll try not to miss any more days. Well, if you got to miss when you're going under a knife, like I always said, and I said it the first day, you know, some people call that minor surgery. It's only minor if it's not happening to you. That's correct. Because <laughs> if you're the person they're going to knock out and cut on, it becomes very major at that point, as far uh, as I'm concerned. I don't think surgeries are too bad. It's recovery time that's a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, recovery is tough. is is really tough. And uh, we won't get into specifics. We'll just say that I have heard that the surgery that Joe had is one of the most painful recovery periods that you can have. Well, I'm not going to argue with that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Susan been doing a good job? Oh, yeah. She takes care of me. Or does she yell at you and say, get your butt out uh, of bed? No, she's... <laughs> My wife sometimes, she gets she gets on me because she thinks that I'm lagging and I'm taking it easy. Are you? No. Okay. I'm not, man. If I, I can tell you for a fact that if I tell you I don't feel good, mm-hmm. I don't feel good. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Yeah, just leave. Just go away. Yeah. <laughs> if i need you i'll call you all right That's why I, Thank if i don't you. feel good just leave me alone don't yeah. don't talk to me i get a little cantankerous at times no, i just get a lot of cantankerous go. all right let's let's look at one of these questions here rachel has a 2007 ford expedition uh eight cylinder 5.4 liter so so i ran into an issue with driving super high rpms for 15 miles per hour wouldn't go faster huh that's the way she wrote that. Figure it out as we go. I pulled code, and it said clutch solenoid. I replaced the solenoid. I was told it was easier to replace transmission rather than part by part in transmission. Replace the transmission used working. Now no acceleration unless you get up to almost 5 RPMs. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's 5,000. And it's check the line for the transmission fluid made sure no air in the lines, changed all the ignition coils, cleaned all airflow sensors except one mass airflow sensor by the manifold before the engine. It's two-wheel drive overhaul Ford Expedition. Yes, the right transmission, exactly the same one. I'm lost for ideas. Any recommendations? Well, my thinking is it's still a transmission issue or a control issue. I was, I was going to say, I bet it's got a controller issue. Need to see it. Uh, you Need know. to scan it. If she had a transmission in there doing this particular problem and then she replaced it with another one and still has the same problem, then then it's probably something they're overlooking or missing. And, uh, and It's probably going to be in the TCM, most likely. Well, wiring issue, you know, we, don't know, issue. The, we don't know the whole whole story here and she's been working all over it and they have and you know they got to be missing something and uh best, best thing, yeah best thing she do is come see one of us yeah let us check it you know i'm sure we can get her steered in the right direction on what it needs and uh possibly repair it for her you know if, yeah it could if it be needs something, something simple internal as, in the transmission we get her over to gary and he could take care of that you know and it could be something simple as where it plugs on the side of the transmission correct she could have been a pin on a new one yep very i mean it's very easy to do these little old pins is about the size of an ink pen dave and it don't take much to bend one of them shove it over sideways correct and then and, don't work right yeah it, and it, it, <laughs> it could be the one that's the ground and then the whole transmission is not getting no ground to it 
so there again you know it just needs to do a little bit of checking and first thing we need to do is put the monitor on it and pull it up and look at it all right we gotta get sean hannity he's coming up here on the dave ellswick show joe and duck will be back after the break it's 72 degrees looking for a high today of 86 degrees humidity is supposed to be lower we'll see if that happens or not all right back so, here on the dave ellswick show duck and joe are here you got a question eight two three zero nine six five and they'll try to answer we just heard a, about last half hour how cars are struck by lightning a whole lot more than i ever thought it, it would shock you how many cars in the united states get struck by lightning i mean it, it, you're probably looking at two or three hundred cars a year okay hold on what do you got heidi well i was gonna say um my dad uh like back in the 80s his car got struck by lightning and i i haven't asked him like well how was the car because yeah. you know that that idea of like being stuck in your vehicle and that flash just seems terrifying to me so what i need to ask him like well did the car survive i need to check on that yeah, yeah <laughs> you can, you, next next wednesday have the rest of the story for us we'll bring paul harvey back there you go okay we'll have the rest so, of the story so joe do you read this second one here yes with the 2013 f-150 ford okay yep. the ac doesn't shut off on our pickup my husband was checking the freon and used one of those manual can pumps, pumps. We talk about not doing that all the time. Now the AC won't turn off. Could it possibly be a sensor was thrown off? And this is from Lucy. Got a 2013 Ford F-150 FX2 six-cylinder 3.5 liter. Well, I'm going to tell you the the can stuff is not the way to go. Uh, You know, if his air wasn't working right and he had no way of checking the Freon level, has he overcharged it, or has he put the Freon in the can in it with the stop leak in it? And and there's several issues with doing that, and, and both of them are bad, aren't they, Doug? It's real bad. Yeah. So he might have took a problem and created an a even worse problem. one. So <clears throat> anytime you buy a can of Freon and you're going to do it yourself, I'd recommend you not. Because the pressures that you read if there's a problem with the restriction somewhere they're not going to read accurate and you'll think it's low when it's really not and you'll overcharge it that can damage the air compressor and other components if you put it in there with a the stop leak in it it gums up all the pressure sensors and switches the that make the, that's correct and you don't need to do that plus when you bring it to us we don't really want to recover that because it goes in our recovery machines and damages a $10,000 machine so yes it's a bad deal all the way around right there. Yeah, and, and another thing too, Joe, all they're looking at is the low side. That's correct. They don't know what the high side is doing. The high side could be, it could be a coolant fan not working, causing it not to to cool. You know, and it could be in, in the high, in the high, and the head pressure sky high. You know, I've head pressure them. be three or four or five hundred pounds. I've yeah. seen them come in before. They said, well, we're putting Freon in and blow this hose off over here. Yeah. Okay. Or blow the check valve out of the back of the compressor. Too much Freon will do that. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so trying to save a few dollars can cost you a lot of money. Thousands of dollars. Yes, sir. If you got to put a new air conditioning unit in your car, that's I think not the cheap. average cost today of a compressor. And most companies now that make quality compressors, new ones or remands, they require you to replace the orifice tube or the expansion valve as well as the condensing unit. 
and some condensing units are very pricey because you have to take the front bumper cover off to even have access to them because you cannot flush them out because of the way they're designed and built yeah, the today. Way they're made. And uh, you're you're looking at average cost of AC repair is in the fifteen sixteen hundred dollar range. Well, that ain't trouble. That's it. And high end of cars can be over two grand. Yeah, not talking chicken feed. There. Then if you no. put stop leak in it and it stops up the gonna go evaporator up. core inside, it's going to go up. Like a Ford pickup, it's like seven miles to put a vaporware core in it. Yeah, Dodge wow. pickup, same thing. Just because of all the stuff you got to go through to get to the it. whole, you got to pull the whole dash out of it. Got to pull the dash, pull the AC box out of it. And Joe, you know, on save these, 150 bucks could cost you two grand. But that ain't trouble. Wow. Yep. And Joe, you know these new Dodges, the uh, like the 14, 15, 16, they don't have a cabin air filter in it. Mm-hmm. Dodge now has come out of retrofit put one in to put one in when you go in and replace the evaporator core because mm-hmm. it stopped up from dirt yeah. they have a retrofit kit now it's about a hundred dollars yeah you have to cut out a little panel put it in yep. there yeah works great saves a lot of money oh saves a lot of money because 90 percent of them dodges it sucks right at the passenger's feet right and they get it and they must especially if it's a construction truck they get in with that old red dirt brown dirt on their feet well it dries out and then you're in there moving your feet around Collects that dust. Sucks it right up on top of the evaporator core. I had one from City of Benton the other day, Dave. It was a half inch thick of dirt on it. And air doesn't flow through the vents like it should. And and a lot of times what happens, it, it causes it to freeze up and it just quit cooling, won't it? Yeah. And, and it can't and circulate the air across well, that Well, this one had core. had enough dirt on Joe, it didn't rotted a hole through the aluminum. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It was a half inch thick on it. I cleaned one earlier this week. We cleaned one Monday, and I told a guy, I said, this is probably a temporary fix. It's working right now. If it stops up again, you're going to have to buy an evaporator core and pay the labor to put it in, and you're looking at probably eight $900. Yeah. He said, it's working now. I said, yeah, but there's no guarantee on this for yeah. how long. It may work till you get down the street, and it may not. And you know what I used on it? I used actual AC coil cleaner for a house unit. That's what I That's used. That's how bad it was stopped up. The foaminator that you buy for the automotive wouldn't clean it. We actually took the uh, rheostat out, the resistor out for the blower. Put a long hose on it. Put that wand up in there and sprayed it at the top yep. and let it run down, let it run out the AC vent, and the AC vent stopped up twice, and it ran out over inside. We had the case half full. Gross. Yeah. But we got it cleaned out enough that it would stop freezing up. and uh, Let it get enough air across yes. it. Yes. And uh, it's working right now, but there's there's no guarantee how long. And that's what I, I told his boss. I said, look, I'm in there. I'm putting a new heater core in it while I'm there. Oh, absolutely. There. Both, both cost the same labor to do. So. Yeah. You know, if I fix the air conditioner this summer, then the heater core goes leaking this winter. You know, so he's said, sick. <laughs> now he's you're going to have to go back yeah. and tear the dash out again. Seven, eight hours labor. Yeah. You know, you know and he said, no. He said, whatever, if you find something else in there you need to do, you do Take it while you're there. So, did you look at all of the the spring little doors and everything? Well, Make we sure at the doors, the actuators, open. and if there's update kit for the recirculate door, we buy that from Dodge too. Yep. And uh, Ford has upgraded some of theirs. Dodge has upgraded some Ford, of theirs. You know, for a while Ford had trouble with breaking the hinge off. Yeah, they're well, they're they're made out of plastic. I mean, you know, what do you expect to happen after heat and cool, heat yeah. and cool, heat and cool? Pop, they're gonna come off. <laughs> You know, that's, I tell people, I'm there. I'm going to put a heater core in it. Heater core is cheap nowadays. If you're doing it in the wintertime and putting a heater core in, put, put a evaporator core, core in it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, the two words that 
will worry a person about their car now is not problem transmission. It can be problem air condition. Yes. Absolutely, Dave, you know. Problem exhaust. Yeah. The, As you know, Dave. Yeah, I do know. The the thing about air conditioning in today's cars, the vehicle is built with it, and all of the heat AC units incorporated together, and they're all automatic temp controls. So if you have one part of it not working right, it affects the rest of it. And, you know, in a lot of SUVs, if you have a rear air that's not working, it ain't going to stay cool in there even if the front air is working. Vice versa, if the front air's got a, a, a actuator problem on the blend door and it's not blowing as cold as it should and the rear one's ice cold, you're still not going to stay comfortable because it takes both of them to keep you comfortable. I had a lady had a Suburban. She always come in and complained about air conditioner's not cold enough. I'd go out and check it, tell them, ma'am, it's, you've got to run the back unit all the time. But she said, I don't need the back unit. There's nobody back here. Well, she turned it off. Yeah. The front unit can't cool that whole, it can't circulate the whole air cab. It. Yeah. Well, you know, and cool air is done by circulating air through it. That's why you put the recirculating. Yeah. On so it circulates car. inside the cab. So you're not drawing air from outside. And I finally, after about three times of me telling her there ain't nothing wrong with it, she finally started leaving the back area on called me one day. She said, you know, this thing ain't never cooled this good. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of there's a misnomer. Well, you never listened to me before. <laughs> a lot of folks think that that's a different unit. Technically, it's a different unit, oh, but it back. uses the same air compressor. It's a different blower. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's just a different blower, But it right? runs off the same AC. The same AC compressor. So if you think, well, if I turn that off, I'll be saving that one. No, you're not. The other one's working just, it's, it's doing it all the time for the front. So turn the rear on, put it on low blow, ice cold, and that thing will stay comfortable in there, won't it, Duck? Yeah. And, and and another thing, too, you've got the cold air coming from behind you because it's sucking it up forward, so it's going to make you just, just ride that much cooler. But I finally convinced her, and you know, and she always left it. From then on, she always left it on low. Mm-hmm. But every time I'd get in, it'd be turned off because, you yeah. know, there's switches right there by one another. Sure. And, you know, but she's, she well, I, I just don't need that back here cooling. Yes, she does. Yes, ma'am. You do. All right. Got to ask you a question. Jerry Roca asked, and I have to admit, Jerry, I fell asleep when I got home yesterday, so I missed the webinar. <laughs> Did you catch it, Joe? I was on it. Oh, you were on it. Okay. Yes, so you tell us what is bumper to bumper doing about COVID-19 that we should know about? Well, our delivery drivers practice social distancing and uh, using iPads now to sign tickets, so there's not lo- a lot less paper and transaction there. And uh, th- this webinar was about uh, how shop owners have adapted to the the pandemic and what we've done. And, and, and like we talk about it here, and we have been since the beginning of it, Dave, that you can have contactless auto repair where if you bring your vehicle in, you can call, set up an appointment, drop it off. Or if you can't do that, we'll come pick it up and bring it back to you when we're through. Everything can be done over the phone. Uh, we can text you. You can pay your bill over the phone. Everything can be done, and you can get your vehicle fixed and never, ever speak face-to-face with a human being. And you still get that good 24-month, 24,000-mile warranty, and you still get the best quality service. And uh, so it's 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 all there for us to try and help you to be safe as well as us be safe. Right. And, and of course, cars come in. We clean, sanitize the keys, the steering wheels, and 
and, and people walk in we've been cleaning the countertops and cleaning the sure. doorknobs and you know trying to make sure we keep everything as clean as possible we can keep clean and and it's just a process and that's what the the webinar was about how we have adapted to this and what do we think about the future of it and and i don't know about the future i know the new normal is not normal like no the more. old normal yeah. but i wish the new normal would get back closer to the old normal right but i don't know this winter i have some concerns about maybe uh it coming back with a little bit of uh return vengeance well it'd be interesting you though know? because astrazeneca one of the pharmaceutical companies say that they'll go, they're going to have their vaccine ready to go in september i understand i think that that'll change a lot they help yes it will yeah but but you know in automotive repair shop your 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 office and and your intake area and your waiting room it needs to be needs to be clean and your customers when they come in they need to feel comfortable in there knowing that it is clean because i'm going to tell you if they're not comfortable they're probably not going to come back because you know and everybody has their own idea of comfort level in that area mm-hmm. so you have to be at the height of this cleanliness right now and 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 just protect your employees and and you know we did talk a little bit on the webinar about what what would scares you the most about it and i i want to touch on it just a little bit uh i had an employee that had contact with an in-law that tested positive so we had to send him home and he had to go take a test now they'll you can do the drive-through testing and all that but you're not going to get your results back for five days yeah, five because or seven days. they're yeah. backed up. And that's, that's so, time at your shop and time for that person. He's off while he's waiting on the test results. Of course, they came back negative, and he came back to work. Mm-hmm. But it put me at the point of this. What would have happened if he had tested positive? positive? Then everybody's got to be tested at then your facility. The contract contact tracing comes in. They're going to be over there, and they're going to say, all right, he's had contact with everybody in this building. We're going to require everybody to go get tested now and isolate until your test results come back that means that potentially i could be closed the business just right at that minute right now lock the doors everybody go right cars being tore down customers vehicles in there how do we deal with that and possibly being locked away for a week to two 14 days yeah that's hard to fathom in your mind Uh and so you know our instructions are to our employees be very careful do your social distancing. If you're sick any at all, call me, stay home, go see the doctor, self-isolate. So we can do as what we can, not just to protect our customers, but to protect us. All right. That's kind of stuff Bumper to Bumper is dealing with. Let's take a break. Final break of this uh, segment. Final break of today's show. More coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we've got a small segment remaining here. We're down to about four minutes to do uh, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. And uh, Joe and Duck are both here in the studio today. Again, I got time for maybe one question. I mean, like really fast, make it short. 8230965. That's the number. 8230965. And I'm looking at these other questions. You guys have them too. Anything here that you want to talk about? Yeah, there's one here on the back page here, Dave, on this Saturn. Okay. Uh, read that one. All right. On the Saturn. Okay, I got the Ford Mustang. We're next. The next page up, I think. Okay, that's on the. I'm looking Aiden. for it. 
I'm going to find it. It's Aiden. Aiden? Yeah, here you go. Oh, you got it. Okay. Right there. Right. Read, read yeah. that in about the clutch replacement. Right. 1995 Saturn SL1 base four-cylinder 1.9 liter. A friend and I replaced the clutch assembly, including the clutch plate, flywheel, pressure plate, throughout bearing, master and slave cylinder. After we put it all back together, I got in the car and all of the electrical parts turned on. However, when you turn the key, it clicks once and then nothing. And when you try to push the car in neutral, it doesn't move. What's the problem? So what do you think, Joe? Well, (laughs) you know, it's kind of a... He doesn't have it put together right. Does exactly. It? And I hate to say that. You know, do-it-yourselfers. And, and like Ken Sullivan always says, it's it's destroy-it-yourself. And I hate to say this, but that's where he's at with this. Most likely put the press plate in backwards. Yep. I'm, and not the press plate, the, the disc. disc. Got the disc turned backwards, yeah. and that's why it won't nothing work. Yeah, and, and it's it's locked up. It's like it's in gear. The clutch, you can push the clutch in. It won't do nothing. He could probably put the car in neutral and it'll roll, but if he puts it in any other gear and push the clutch in, it's not going yeah. to. And and he's got it in neutral, and he's pushing the clutch down, and he hits the key while the clutch is still engaged, and that's just why he gets a click. It's, yeah, it's all it's got jammed everything up locked there, up. Yeah. And, and, you know, people don't realize, but there's a there's only one way that that clutch will go together and work right. Well, I know, and it's it's been a problem for years and years and years for folks when, when they try and do it themselves and save money. And, and, you know, it's possible that he may not even have the right clutch for that car, too. It's very possible. You know, so you're, you're back to what what's the deal here to save money? You know, the deal to save money, in my opinion, is if you've never done it before, I don't think you need to learn on your own car. You need to... <laughs> Bring it to a repair shop that's capable of fixing it, and and it, in the long run, it'll save you money, Dave. It's like I watched this show on uh, DIY. It's called Living Off the Grid. Grid, yeah. And these guys go out and they start building their own homes, whether it's an earth bag home or yeah. whatever. And I was watching last night, and this guy had never done any construction. Well, what what's going to try to build a house? And he's going to build a house. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my wife and I said. You know, if I've never done something like that, I'm not going to start on myself. It's like, you know, doing surgery on yourself. Yeah. You know, in, in our shops, me and Doug do the same thing. We have a new tech come in and say, all right, he's training, he's learning. This is what you do. You go over and you say, all right, this is the job we're doing. This is your description. Take that apart. And this is how you do it. Take this bolt out and this piece, this bend. When you get all out, lay it right there on the ground. Then we're going to get the new parts, and I'm going to come over, and I'm going to show you how to put this back together properly. And until he's been shown and and instructed on the correct reassembly, he doesn't get to do it on his own, Dave. Or prove to me that he can do it on his own. Yes. He's got to to learn, and he's got to say, all right, this is is the way it goes together, and run it past you. And and, and that's that's the way you learn. You do just like Joel Johnson does at PI Roofing. He's got a fake roof in his training room. Yeah. People want to work for him. They come in and put shingles on and stuff, and he tests them to see what they're doing. See what mm-hmm. it looks like. Too. Yeah, guys, we're out of time. Thank Duck, you, thanks for coming in. I'll see and, you Saturday morning. Okay, and Joe, yes, glad sir. to see you back again. I'm glad to be back, Dave. Thank All right, you. we'll take a break. I'll see you again in the morning, six o'clock, right here at one oh one one.